Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Welcome back to the Empathy for Breakfast show, everybody. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, which is Ed Kirwan, who is the founder and CEO of Empathy Week, a global annual schools program that utilizes the power of film and empathetic action to build a generation of empathic and resilient leaders. He's also a filmmaker in his own right and loves creativity just about as much as I do. So Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you very much for having me. You've, you forgot to mention that you yourself are an ambassador for Empathy Week as well. So this isn't the first time I speak. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I am an ambassador and uh, an incredibly passionate follower of your work, which is why I'm so happy for you to be here. And indeed, for all of the audience that weren't with us before we went on air, I think we spent the first half of our podcast just chatting about how we can change the world. So let's try and uh, let's try and share some of that passion with the world. Let's start with my sort of um, always my, my first question to kick off the show, which is what does empathy mean to you, Ed? Great question. Um, for me, I've changed my mind so many times on it. And I think if you Google it, you you see different things some people say there's this type of empathy and this type of empathy and this is how you define it but for me it is about creating space for someone else to express themselves um, as they truly are so that's about you know actually allowing them to appear as they are for you to kind of sit back and then experience that creating space is such a nice term isn't it and it's one that i feel has has really raised its head in the last few months i feel like you know we didn't used to use those terms but now i feel like i hear it often and i i love that idea of creating space for someone else i mean for you empathy really is your life's work you were a teacher you're now the founder of a business that does this full-time and you and I talk often about where that's going and, and all of those aspirations why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your journey how did you become this ambassador for empathy in the world and, and how did mm. you end up today accidentally is, is the right way to start <laughs> i think i never thought of what i was doing as empathy but um i just i, I grew up in a house where my mum's a childminder so i grew up in a house where 7 a.m every morning there'd be two three babies from six months old to three years old toddlers running around the house so i the first one of the first things i would do in the morning is pick up a child that isn't you know related but becomes like a younger brother younger sister get home from school they're there till five younger brother sister you know and i had that from when i was two years old to to 22 even when I was coming back from university I'd wake up and there'd be like you know kids screaming and things and then I just think teaching I just learned that if someone acts in a particular way there's a reason for it and I used to say to the young students that I taught like there's no excuse for the way you behaved but there is a reason what's you know what's the reason have you eaten breakfast this morning what's going on at home um, you know it doesn't excuse so I always said there's always a reason for behavior never an excuse and I didn't even realize that I was empathizing as a teacher or empathy was one of my toolkits as a teacher um, but then it was I left teaching after a couple of years I, I basically burnt out went full speed did a master's whilst trying to take on a leadership position and all sorts in, the, in a school that was challenging the kids weren't challenging they had challenging circumstances and I yeah then started film 
filmmaking and picked up a camera for the first time three years ago, really, and started filming people on the street. And then I got into this world of around homelessness and actually ended up at the Homeless World Cup in Mexico and then with an organization in India called Slum Soccer. And that's when I had the spark where I was like, I've got my teaching experience and I've got my filmmaking experience, which is just built up from me teaching myself over YouTube. And I just thought I have to create something where the young people that I used to teach that would be angry at the world and would never leave like a mile radius of their home, show them the world of other people. And if they can understand other people and understand their situation within the lens of another person's situation as well, they might get something from that that makes them motivated and see the world in a different perspective, essentially. And that's, I think that's, you know, I've iterated, I iterate what I do almost weekly, monthly, you know, trying to make everything better all the time. And Empathy Week is just that, is about holding space for young people to see someone else and then see the likeness in their own, you know, circumstances as well. And, you know, I always say to change the world, you have to first understand the people in it. And if you can't understand people in it, how can you change anything? That's my comment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, Ed. And I think, you know, I was on a call earlier today all about inclusivity and I said a very similar thing. How can we be inclusive in our world if we don't first understand the people in it? So I think that's a, a brilliant summary of why both of us are doing what we do and I mean well done what a journey and what I think is fascinating probably about my own journey as well is that you you know you said that you didn't set out to be a you know an empathy leader or an empathy specialist but it found you like I think all the best life purposes probably do now tell me a little bit about empathy and kindness and I've heard you talk about this before and I think you explain it really really well people get it very confused what is Mm. what is kindness I don't want to be one of those people that's always just picking holes and stuff. You know, you get people that just like pick holes and things because they want to pick holes and things. But I, there's, a, I have a real gripe with you know kindness because I think I just I can be kind to anyone. I can really be kind to anyone, and I might not like them, and I can still be kind. And I just think kindness gets you is, is very surface level. Um, and sometimes we need that. Sometimes we do just need a stranger to say this or that. And and kindness, there is an importance to kindness, but empathy is just is just on another level. It's just a completely deep understanding of someone else and a want to you know it takes time and effort kindness can take time and effort if you're thinking about buying something but I always use this analogy that I always say kindness is wasted without empathy so it's not that kindness is a bad thing but it can be wasted without empathy and the example I give is actually a personal one when I was doing filming around homelessness I went and saw a man on the street didn't speak to him went into a shop bought him a ham sandwich cola whatever meal deal sort of thing come outside give it to him and he says I don't eat ham don't eat meat and just like okay you know and all the stereotypes in my head well you're you're begging you're homeless you must be hungry you'll eat what you're given you know it turns out actually he was vegan and you're just like what how can you be vegan on the street all these things it's just like, i haven't spoken to this man and we, we we label you know people who are on the street homeless people rather than people who are homeless and language does matter there's a lot to do with around lang- uh, a lot of importance around language and if i'd have just spoken to him and said how are you doing can i get you anything which i then started doing from then kind of onwards you realize that actually sometimes people don't want I've had to actually always say to some people on the street, no, I, you know, you say you don't want anything, but think about, you know, eight hours time, you might be hungry. What can I get you that, you know, will keep or whatever. People need to be understood before you go out and do something. And often we carry out kind acts like that often because I probably felt guilty an element of guilt there and I'm actually carrying out that act to kind of help myself as well and and kindness is great because it can make you feel good as well we have to get into this situation where we have to understand something before we kind of chime in because we can also do more damage and I think there's loads of evidence of this with international development um, in the late 20th century especially with you know come from England but like Britain in terms of funding 
certain projects in African nations and how we react to certain situations. Sometimes you actually, you have to involve locals. Of course you do. There's a great TED talk. I need to find the name of it, but very quickly, this Italian was part of a response to the Rwandan genocide. And they they went to Rwanda and they were like, right, trying to rebuild the country. And he was Italian and, and he does it in a very stereotypical Italian way. But it's like the soil, you know, it's beautiful soil. This will make great tomatoes. And all the Italians are so excited with how like rich the soil is. And so they go, they go right, we're going to plant loads of tomatoes. You'll have loads of tomatoes. You'll, you know, you'll be able to sell them. You'll be able to eat them. It's great. You know, a few months down the line, the tomatoes grow. The Italians are like so proud of themselves. Look, they're Rwandans are there just like, you know, and they're like, why aren't you happy? And they're just like, they're trying to tell them. And then one night a herd of hippos comes through and just annihilates all of the crops. And the Rwandans are there going, see, you know, we, we tried to tell you this like six months ago or a year ago. And the Italians, and it's just a perfect example of like, you're trying to help and kindness is great. But actually, you have to understand people that you're trying to help, even if do they need your help. Sorry, that's a very long winded way of talking about kindness and empathy. No, it was absolutely perfect. And it it reminds me of um, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Highly Effective. Uh, seven habits of highly effective people and his fifth one is seek first to understand you know and that's exactly what you were saying you know you cannot act if you don't first understand in order to be effective with other people you have to first understand them and I think that I mean I was really laughing there on that that story about the tomatoes I was just waiting to hear what happened with the Africans I love the hippos so um and and I've as I mentioned I've, I've heard the ham sandwich story before and I just think it's so powerful Ed because you're right our assumption is you're hungry you just eat it well, no, because I don't eat that, you know, and you never asked me. So, you know, I think we could probably talk for the rest of the podcast about that, but we won't. We'll move on a little bit to storytelling, because as I mentioned earlier, of course, you're a filmmaker and you spoke about your story to discovering film and, and learning on YouTube. Storytelling, we know, drives empathy up. The data proves it. This is not, you know, Mimi and Ed. This is this is a uh, big university is proving it. How do you see that? How do you believe filmic content can create more empathy? And of course, that's the backbone to Empathy Week. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Fil- film is just such such a powerful medium I think unlike any other the ability to kind of go into and see just a different scene that you've never seen before different language even the way that people speak the the way that people you know react to other people we don't realize it but you're learning so much about just human body language and emotion all within the space and the thing about films as well you see a story condensed often you know if the reality of everyone's life even the most inspiring people in the world is that they probably get up brush their teeth go to the toilet you know have something to eat you know even the most inspiring people in the world have very mundane lives day to day it's what you see when you when you bring that together and i think film is is a way to shorten you know we're all time poor as such but it's a way that you can really get into what someone else is thinking and i'm always careful about i don't know what you think about this but like this this concept of like getting into someone else's shoes when you're imagining that yourself you're still bringing your cultural kind of lens to that you, we always say put yourself in someone else's shoes whereas a film often you're not given a choice you, you are often told by the storyteller or by the person that's that's talking you really can get into their shoes because they're the ones speaking and you don't have a chance to talk you don't have a chance to actually get in there and actually put your lens on it you are told how it is by that person and that's that's a real big responsibility from the storyteller I feel that when I'm editing film mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm interviewing someone but I'm cutting out loads of stuff because I'm trying to to piece together the story so I have a responsibility as a filmmaker but I think it, it's, it's something that everyone 
who's watched a film can experience is that being transported to just another place where everything, especially if you're in a cinema or something, where everything around you's just disappeared and you can really focus in on the person that's speaking. Whereas I believe, you know, if we're looking at our phones and watching something on Instagram, we're, we're still distracted by everything. So it's about, I think, if you can create the space to watch a film properly, it has such power in teaching you about certain elements, whatever that, that film is trying to teach. And, and at Empathy Week, obviously, you are, you know, you're creating films. And, and I really recommend that anyone that's listening goes and looks out Empathy Week and, and looks at what they're doing. But the basis of that is that you are creating films once a year. You're using them um, in a week's period. But of course, as an extension of that to help children of all ages learn empathy, to engage with stories, to understand the realities of others. So I, I don't want to get too sidetracked with Empathy Week just because it's the most phenomenal platform. We could talk about it, you know, all day. But a little bit more specific in the education space as a teacher and, of course, you created this this existence of this asset this empathy week should we be teaching it in schools you know should they be watching films and learning about empathy every week rather than in, in one week how, how do you mm. see that i think the words teaching facilitating need to be really understood here because i think you can't necessarily you can't teach empathy it's like can you teach love can you teach happiness you know you, you can teach certain aspects or facilitate certain aspects to get to that point i think but these are like fleeting you know emotions that that come and go and I think empathy is the same as well if you're empathic all the time you are going to be burnt out and it's not about necessarily teaching it but it is about having it in the curriculum you know unfortunately teachers are so stressed and educators are so stressed with what we are expected to do that unless you make it explicit it won't necessarily be done so that's why we make empathy week empathy week and not you know let's create a platform that can be used all year because the reality is teachers won't use it unless it's kind of statutory and, and put in place to be used but I, I 100% do believe that we can facilitate it and that's what empathy week is about about creating that space that teacher is meant to guide but kind of step back as well and allow the students to ask questions here and there and, and think about it and talk to each other but we it comes back to that we have to create space for it and as a good facilitator or a good teacher you can bring that space into an english class into a maths lesson into a history lesson into an economics lesson you know talking about the economics of, of why different economies in the world are better or stronger than others, linking that to understanding how then that forms the actions of those governments and potentially how people react in certain situations. Empathy is 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 relatable to almost everything. And me and you are the same on this. I know from speaking, you know, it's not something soft and fluffy. And I, I'm British, right? As you as you are. I mean, we don't we're not really about softy stuff. We like facts and we like evidence and we like things that are solid. And we need to turn this image of empathy around from being this oh it'd be nice to be empathetic too it's an absolutely essential skill there's there's no way you can be successful in life unless you have really tuned your empathic muscles and your empathic skill and so what is what we have to think what is education for is it to mm. get grades and letters that send you on to a university no the whole purpose of school is to set young people up for a life that they can live the problem is no one knows what that life is because we're staring into the future so we're trying to set up young people for something that we don't even know what exists in 10 years time i mean think about the children that left school or sorry the adults the young teenagers that left school three years ago they were set up for a world that didn't have coronavirus and now there's hardly any jobs and things that we haven't set them up properly unless we set them up with empathy and creativity and problems 
problem solving and leadership and resilience. Imagine setting them up with that so that they can go forward. So 100%, we need to put empathy at the core. Just a minor revamp of the entire education system, Ed. Minor. Just, yeah. This minor. Is, <laughs> you, minor the problem is, well, just get me going on this. It's so frustrating that we've had the perfect opportunity to scrap everything, not scrap everything, but restart again. And all the British government, anyway, I can speak for, is, has been talking about is catching up students, catching up children. That rhetoric is not needed. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's not like, you know, a child's gone out and been ill all year and all their schoolmates have moved ahead. I'm not denying there is absolute digital poverty and there is an absolute divide and the richer kids will be getting better. But better at what? Maths and English and science. You know, we can level the playing ground with, I want to employ someone when my business gets larger, someone who's creative and can think and problem solve and is empathic. So, and I I think a lot of organizations are the same. You can learn things, but empathy takes time. Leadership takes time. Resilience takes time to build up. So we need to start it young. We need to start it in schools. And I I mean, I couldn't agree more. And you actually sent me some data recently, um, which was really helpful. I read about a University of Cambridge study, which was just now, 2021, so really recent. And they there was a quote in there which said, "Good grades matter, but for society to thrive, creative and to be to for society to thrive and be creative and communicative, we need empathic individuals to matter too." And I was so happy to read that because the University of Cambridge is, you know, very well established and very well respected. Mm. So you know, let's let's hope things are changing. And the reality is, we have an empathy deficit, right? I mean, I talk about it all the time in the corporate world. Do you think we can change it? I mean, we're coming to the end. But can we turn it round, Ed? Can we can we fill our deficit? See, I, I know you talk about the deficit. I think if you scrap the noise, if you scrap the the news and you look at local communities, you look at everything on a micro level, empathy is there, but it's being, you know, um, don't know what the word is, but like a little fire, but it's being patted out. And it's in the communities. And we've seen it during COVID, you know, WhatsApp groups pop up with neighbours in your block that you've never met before for four years or something. And all of a sudden, everyone's asking to, you know, to get their milk and bread. I think it's there. It's there. It's just, it needs to be, we live in a a world where you know people ask you questions about even people one of the first questions people ask me when they don't know me is how how do you survive how do you earn a living which i find really rude and and also just like why okay so we're not going to talk about my projects or what i'm doing and i'm not going to talk about your projects you kind of want to know my salary or how i survive and that it's no one it's never i never take it personally at all it's just how we've been built up in society as you get older your salary should increase your salary should increase because your skills you've just moved up a position and so we're constantly thinking whether we like to think or not on an individual individual level rather than thinking about you know if i was a ceo of amazon with billions i would probably well i would like to think i would split that out more because you're going to get more from your employees more people are going to be you could invest in local communities you could there is so much you could do with that wealth and i know it's not as simple as saying jeff bezos is a billionaire because lots of it's locked up in shares and it fluctuates you know it's not like he has that sat in the bank i understand that but there is an element where it's really up to people's choices as to, and we need our leaders to lead the way. Unfortunately, because of news, because of certain aspects, I think we always see this element where we, we just don't see empathy and it's not being modelled. And you can only aspire to what you see. 
really in the world so so how can we raise you know it's up to yourself me and other people and everyone who's listening watching this how can you raise that and it's not about you know giving someone a hug and telling them that you love them it's literally about saying right what's going on in your day how can i support you what is it that we need to do and it doesn't happen instantly either and that's the difficulty with empathy is that everyone goes right we've got we've got an empathy deficit okay let's fix it but as you know as i know it's not just a okay fix a light bulb moment it's this is going to take time and you write about it in your book you know it's it's not about okay let's fix it you know we've we've got a problem it's right how can we work through this together and it takes both sides so I do believe we can turn things around. It's a real effort and time and it's a commitment. And that's Mm. what people have to decide in their organizations, whether that's a school, whether that's a business, hospital, wherever it is. How are we going to lead? And and it's so strongly linked to leadership. And that's your own leadership as well as leadership of teams. How are we going to lead? Are we going to lead where we understand a situation or a person before we take an action? And even a simple decision like that will then decrease that deficit, I believe. Absolutely. And I think that was just a a really engaging answer. I really enjoyed what you said there about um, you can only aspire to what you see Mm. because I spend you know so much my sort of catchphrase as it were is the more we talk about empathy the more empathy the world will have Uh, it's exactly the same thing we can only create more of it if you can see it if we talk about it if we elevate it if we have these conversations which of course is why you and I you know never finish a meeting on time because we (laughs) so let's let's attempt to finish this podcast on time with the last question which is my probably my favorite question that I ask everyone that comes on here and I hope to understand you a little bit better as a person as we close so if you could share breakfast with any one person ed who would it be where would you go and what would you be having i want to give two answers go on then go but, on but they link then. but they link but they link so so probably the person that i would like to have breakfast with right now like it's just the first person that's popped into my head is um Pankaj, who is actually someone that i filmed for the first series of empathy and he i literally spent two and a half months in india on the back of his bike everywhere we went and you when you spend that amount of time with someone you know everywhere you go on the back of a bike and i don't know if anyone's been in india on the back of a bike but you are entrusting <laughs> your life to that person you become very close you know and you're like should we go this way and then you swerve around in the middle of the road and there's all these bikes beeping and you're just like oh my gosh i'm going to die but i didn't know him before and i should never have met him you know if you look at the way the world is i should never have met pankaj pankaj's story it's on youtube you can watch it he was selling tobacco and chewing tobacco and you know drinking when he was like 11 years old on the street in india and then through slum soccer you know that's how i met him and he became a manager and he's this amazing human being but the answer the reason that is is because the person that i would like to most have breakfast with now that isn't pancake would be someone that i would never otherwise meet like someone that is so different to me that i should never ever meet them it's not barack obama it's not because actually i can find stuff out about barack obama online pretty much probably loads of stuff and interviews but that person that i should never ever meet i will learn more from them and be inspired by them more than anyone else and i think what we miss is we look at all these aspirational leaders all the time but the most inspirational people are the people that you meet when you are so you are worlds apart i mean his house he lives in a house which is just part of it's made of mud but he's happy there he doesn't want to move to london if he had the opportunity he might to study or something like that but he wants to go back to india and we make so so my answer is not sure as always but it's I would want to have breakfast with someone who is completely different to me and I would want them to take me to where they would eat. And in my head at the moment, it's Pankaj picking me up, beeping his horn, telling me to like hurry up, jumping on the back of a bike and going to some hut on the side of the road that serves food that you just have to eat with your hands and having a laugh and having a chai tea. That's what I'd be doing. Absolute heaven. I will be there with you, perhaps not on the back of a bike, but I'll definitely be there with the the chai tea. If there are some roti alongside, I will be very, very happy. Mm. So Ed, you're 
Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the Empathy for Breakfast show. Please do go check out Ed about Empathy uh, Week and find out all about him. Watch his films and watch this space because I'm sure that this will not be the last time you hear from Ed and I. So thank you for joining me, Ed. Thank you very much. And with that... Another episode of the Empathy for Breakfast show comes to a close. I would like to thank IQ Films, who produced this episode, and DJ Ciel for my soundtrack and music. Do join me online to carry on the conversation. I'm incredibly active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, at Mimi Nicklin. I would love to talk to you all more. Meanwhile, spread the word, share the empathy. Because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.